Thanks for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the On Demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. When we sow the seed of God's Word into our lives and we water it just like any plant, it'll begin to grow. When we put our complete trust in God by hearing, meditating, and speaking and doing His Word, we will watch as our faith begins to increase. Let's take a look at today's message. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12, it says to fight the good fight of faith. So often we think about Christianity as just being something passive, something that we believe, something that we know, but the Bible says that the Christian life is a fight. And it is a fight from the womb to the tomb. I like to say it this way. You're either just about going into a fight, you're in a fight, or you just got out of a fight. Because there's just always going to be a fight. Jesus said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The violent take it by force. One translation says they're forcing their way in. Now, we have often the idea that what Christianity is, it's the way you get forgiven and go to heaven. But that was not Jesus' concept at all. Jesus came preaching, the kingdom of God is here. And you see, Jesus' concept of Christianity is a kingdom. And that kingdom does not begin when you die. That kingdom is here now, and we begin to partake of that kingdom instantly when we get right with God. In Ephesians 6 and 12, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Unfortunately, many Christians only read the first part of the verse that says we do not wrestle, lay on a couch, drink a Dr. Pepper, and eat Cheetos. But the Bible says there is a spiritual warfare, and it's against principalities, against powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. So many Christians today are carnal. They look for the natural reason for everything. But the Bible tells us that there is a spiritual realm. And often behind what we see in the natural, there is a spiritual force. And that as Christians, we are supposed to be taking the kingdom. We're supposed to be using the name of Jesus. We're supposed to use the word of God the way that Jesus did. Satan came and tempted Jesus, and Jesus said, it is written. We're supposed to be putting our faith into practice, using that faith. Uh, Romans 10, 8 says, but what does it, faith, say? It says, the word is near you, it's in your mouth and in your heart, even the word of faith which we preach. We need to begin to confess what the word of God says about ourselves. We need to begin to, to grab hold of the promises of God. The Bible says all the promises of God in him are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. To the glory of God through us. When we don't do anything, God does not get the glory. And Jesus told us that we have authority. In fact, he said, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. Do you realize as a believer, you have authority over every work, all the power of the enemy. 
But we have to use that authority. Again, Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. That power that's working in us. We need to use the authority that God has given us. Now, in Isaiah chapter 54, in verse 17, it says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Now, notice there are weapons. Now, these are not natural weapons. They're spiritual weapons. And, and let me just say, uh, uh, Proverbs 18, 21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. So often we do not realize the power of our words, that those words can bring blessing or cursing, they can bring life, or they can bring death. And it talks about the weapon that's formed against you, and notice what it says in every tongue. In other words, so many of the weapons that are formed against us are words. They're things that are spoken. And when those weapons come, whether it's circumstances, whether it's words that are coming against us, it says you need to rise up in judgment and condemn. You need to begin to speak contrary to those circumstances. You need to speak contrary to the words that have been spoken against you. And it says you shall condemn it. I remember listening to our, our genie and I, one of our mentors was a, Lester Summerall, for years he pastored down here in South Bend, Indiana. And uh, he, would he told the story about being in Asia and he was coming in a church service. The service was already going on and he was gonna be speaking that night. And as he came down the aisle, a woman came up to him and said in perfect English, she said, there is a dark angel in you and there is a white angel in me. And he said he immediately recognized that that was a demonic force that this woman was possessed. And he looked at her and he said, no, he said, there's a white angel in me, a light angel. And he says, and there's a dark angel in you. And in the name of Jesus, I command you spirit, come out of her. Now she fell down, the spirit came out, but this is what he said happened. He said instantly when he did that, he said every lost person in the whole place ran to the front, to the altar, began crying out to God, and everybody got saved. Now, here's what he said as a result of that. He said, this is what I learned. He said, when the devil shows his face, when he shows up with circumstances, when he shows up with words against you, he said, immediately, you need to condemn it. You need to confront it. And when you do, the power of God shows up. But so often what we do when the enemy shows up, circumstances or words are spoken, we're just quiet. And those things begin to take root. They begin to produce. Uh, we're going to talk about that in, in uh, just a few moments. But what do you say? You know, there, there's some of us that, that, that are saying things like this. You know, I'm probably going to get sick because everybody in my family, when they're in their 50s, they get this. You know, my marriage will probably not last because, you know, most of my friends have had a divorce. 
And I'll never prosper because I was just meant to be poor. I'll never be able to break the addiction that's on my life because it's been there so long and it's so strong. You know, whether it's you saying it on the inside. And remember, your self-talk tells a whole lot about where you are, what you're saying to yourself. But whether you're saying it to yourself or whether it's somebody else saying it, when those things are said, you need to counter those things with the word of God. Now, your faith is supposed to grow. Uh, Paul writing to the Thessalonians says, your faith grows exceedingly. But it's really up to us whether our faith grows or whether our faith simply stays at the place that it is or even begins to wither. The Bible says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So the way that we grow spiritually is we grow spiritually as we receive the excuse me, the word of God, and we begin to understand what was purchased for us at redemption through the word. Jesus considered it so important. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Just like today, you probably had breakfast. Some of you may have skipped, but you're going to have lunch. You're going to feed your physical man. But Jesus said that your spirit man needs to be fed. And your spirit man eats Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and Romans. See, it's the word of God that feeds your spirit. In Mark 4, verse 31, Jesus said, it's like a mustard seed, which when it is grown, so, excuse me, sown on the ground, it's smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it's grown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs. And it shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may rest under it. What Jesus is telling us is that our faith is to grow like a mustard seed or a mustard plant. It's small, but you plant it in good ground and it keeps on growing. In Mark 4, again, right before this, this is the parable of the sower. And by the way, Jesus said about this parable, he said, if you understand this parable, you can understand all the parables. In other words, this is the grandparent of all the parables, and it's the key. If we don't understand the parable of the sower, Jesus said, you won't understand any of the parables. But in Mark 4, 26, he said, so, the kingdom, so is the kingdom of God, is if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now, God's word is seed. In fact, Peter said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, even the word of God, which lives and endures forever. So God's word is seed. He said, it's though a man should cast seed into the ground. And by the way, the parable of the sower is about the ground. And it says there's different kinds of ground. But the ground is your heart. That's what the ground is. So we cast the word of God and it's to go into your heart. Now your heart, we believe, is good ground and he should sleep and rise up night and day and the seed should spring up and grow and he doesn't know how. But the earth brings forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. Now, 
I, I, in my notes here, I, I wrote four things I wanted to mention. The seed, the ground, and then the blade, the ear, and after that, the full corn in the ear. So well, what we are looking for is we're looking for mostly an instantaneous harvest. But the word of God does not usually produce instantaneous harvest. Jesus said, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. So we grow. We grow in our faith. We grow in how we receive and what we receive from God. So often somebody gets prayed for and only that they're a bit better. And they assume, well, that's all that I got. But really, that's just the blade. It's going to take time. It takes time to grow in an oak tree. That acorn is planted and then it grows. But notice it says that the earth brings forth fruit of herself. Literally, I took the time yesterday to look it up again. Automatos is the Greek. And from which we get the word automatic. It sprouts and it grows and it is automatic. Now, it's true about the word of God, but it's also true about anything you plant in your heart. Your heart is ground. And if you plant greed in your heart, it's going to produce greed automatically. You plant depressed thoughts in your heart, it's going to produce depression automatically. You plant fear in your heart. You listen to the news. You put fear in your heart, it's going to produce automatically. You, you're, 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 you're watching things that are pornographic, and it produces lust in your heart. It is automatic. Your heart will produce what you put into it. You put the Word of God into it, it's going to produce the fruit that the Word of God produces. But whatever you put in, whether it's God's word, lust, fear, depression, greed, unforgiveness, what you put in. Now, again, the thing about this is you cannot cheat a seed. And what you plant in your heart is a seed. Uh, I remember in college, the night before exams, I mean, you know what happened? We stayed up like all night. And we'd study, 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 take the test, get a decent grade, we'd pass, and we beat the system. Because you can, you can beat the educational system. Because if you had asked us 72 hours, anything that we had studied, we had forgotten it. It did not produce lasting fruit. So you could beat that system, but you cannot beat the seed system. You cannot plant corn this week and reap a harvest in 14 days. You can't do it. You can't beat the system time-wise, but you can't beat the system by planting one thing in your heart and thinking you're going to reap a different harvest. You can't plant lust in your heart and reap a heart of love and forgiveness. What you plant, the Bible says, your heart, your ground will automatically produce. So we've got to be very careful about what we're planning in our heart. And I, I really believe that this generation of Christians 
is more connected to the world than any generation of Christians that have ever lived on planet Earth. You listen to the news. You know, you can get more bad news in one week than people 150 years ago got in a lifetime. And some of you, we're on our phone, we're checking the news four or five times a day. And all we're doing is getting that negative stuff. Now, I understand it's, they, 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 they're, they're going to talk about the one plane that crashed and not the 25 million or 25,000 planes that didn't crash. I understand that. It's news. But we're constantly getting the negative, the negative, the negative. And not only that, you know, everything else that shows up on your phone, all that junk, and you, you pay big bucks to get it. You're paying to get it. So Jesus said in Mark 4, verse 24, I, I've got the classical amplified translation right here. He said to them, be careful what you're hearing. For the measure of thought and study you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. Now, what Jesus is talking about is not just hearing one time, but it's thought and study. It's really, he's talking about meditation. In Joshua 1.8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart out from your mouth. Now, as I've meditated on this verse, the, the, there's two things that stand out to me. When it talks about not departing out of your mouth, but you shall meditate, it says, there's two things. First, we need to speak in agreement with what God has said. Remember the 12 spies going to the promised land. They come back, 10 of them get up, and God had said, I've given you the land. And they said, we cannot go in because they're stronger than us. And God says they gave a bad report. When you disagree with God, it's a bad report. But it says it shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate. Meditate therein. Uh, we need to literally be meditating in the word of God. And part of meditating in God's word is to speak or to mutter. It's to talk to yourself about that word. So you shall meditate therein day and night. Now, the result of meditation is that you will observe to do according to all that's written therein. So meditation prepares our heart. It prepares our heart for that word of God. And then that revelation comes. Now, what meditation does is it produces revelation. But the revelation it produces, how can we say this? We can call it revelation knowledge. It's spiritual revelation. When Jesus asked his disciples, who am I? Peter responded and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal it to you, but my father who is in heaven. You see, when we spend time in the word of God, the spirit of God comes and begins to reveal things to us. Uh, meditation is, a, is your spiritual womb. It's your spiritual womb. What happens when we meditate, we begin to see the word of God applied in our life and coming to pass in our life. And it produces hope. But the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 1, that now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Without meditation, that, that, that planting of the word that produces hope does not come. 
in uh, Genesis 11 and verse 6. The Lord said, behold, now this is the Tower of Babel. And the people have all gotten together. They're building this tower in order to rebel against God. And God said, behold, the people are one. And they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Nothing will be restrained of them, which they have imagined to do. You know, your imagination is something that comes into play very, very strongly when it comes to meditation. Now, the word imagine there, it means to consider, to devise, to imagine, to plot, to intend, to purpose, to think, to determine. So God said what they're imagining, he said nothing will be withheld from them. Now, that's a, a negative use of imagination. In 1 Chronicles 29, 18, David has just taken this tremendous heat. In fact, David gave about $5 billion of his personal money to the temple. And then the people give about $5 billion. And David is praying and he said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the hearts of thy people and prepare their hearts unto thee. Now, notice he's talking about the imagination of the thoughts of his people. Uh, our imagination, by the way, the word there in, the, in, in Hebrew is yeser, Y-E-S-E-R. In other times, it's uh, spelt Y-E-T-E-R. But it means conception. In other words, where you conceive things spiritually is as you meditate in the word of God, as you imagine God's word coming to pass in your life. It means a thing framed. And it, it, you get a picture and you get the frame. The frame goes around it. And what's inside of that picture, that, that's what the Bible is saying your imagination does. Your imagination sets the limits on what you're going to receive from God. It frames it. It's on the outside. It means It means to fashion, to shape, to form. Or it's like a potter that shapes a vessel. So that potter's there and that wheel is spinning and he's shaping it. And it says, your imagination, that's what it does. It shapes what you're going to receive from God. As you begin to see that thing come to pass, you, you see it in your mind. And as you see it in your mind, it begins to shape what you're going to receive from God. Now, it, notice it says that when we use that imagination, it prepares their heart. It prepares their heart unto thee. In 2 Chronicles 12, verse 14, it says, and he did evil because he didn't prepare his heart. He did evil because he didn't prepare his heart. In Ezra 7:10, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. And, and Ezra was used by God to lead a nation back to God because he prepared his heart. But when you prepare your heart, part of preparing your heart, it's meditation. It's seeing it on the inside. In Isaiah 26 and verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now talk about your mind. The Hebrew is thoughtful and stayed. It means to be braced 
to be steadfast, to lean on, to rely on, to gain confidence, to refresh, to establish. It's saying we need to be braced by the word of God. And when we're braced by the word of God, he will continually keep us in perfect peace. Right? So your heart is ground. And your heart will automatically bring forth what you continually put in your heart. Now, I think a good example of this is in Mark chapter 5. Just use this as an example. Uh, those of you who don't know the story, uh, there is a woman who hears about Jesus. And she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. And she keeps on saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. And she comes to Jesus and she presses through the crowd. And she gets to Jesus and she touches the hem of his garment. And immediately she feels in herself that she's healed. And Jesus turns around and says, who touched my clothes? And the multitude is there and the disciples say, look, everybody's touching you. And he says, no, I perceive that power flowed out of me. And when she saw she couldn't be hit, she came forward and she confessed everything. And Jesus said, you know, you're going peace. Your faith has made you well. Now, when, when you meditate on that, there's different ways you can meditate on it. You can meditate on it and you see yourself as the, the woman and you have an affliction and you need to get to Jesus. You need to begin to say what's going to happen. You need to find a point where you begin to believe and you begin to see this thing happening. You begin to see peace come. You begin to see deliverance come. You begin to see an addiction get broken as you meditate on that scripture and you see yourself as the woman. But you know what? At the same time, you can meditate and see yourself as Jesus. Because Jesus said, the works that I do, will you do also? And even greater works than these shall you do. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask or think, according to the power that works in you. And literally, to a great degree, it's according to what you and I meditate on. Because our meditation frames what we are going to receive from God. It's our spiritual womb. The word literally means conception. It's where you conceive what you're going to receive from God. Remember, Jesus said the measure of thought and study you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. So we need to put the word of God into our situation. We need to imagine what is, what is going to happen. Imagine God's word coming true. Imagine God using you. He says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So you've got to imagine. You've got to see yourself laying hands on the sick. You've got to see them recover. And when we meditate on the word of God, it produces faith. When we meditate on the things of this world, it can produce fear, rebellion, lawlessness. And again, I said it before, but I think this generation, we're more connected to the world and we're paying for that trash to come into our lives. We're, we're watching the news. We're, we're getting all of the things that the world has got to offer. 2 Corinthians 10 in verse 4. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down 
of strongholds. Now, notice that as a Christian, you are in a warfare. Whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not. In fact, in Ecclesiastes, it says, and there is no release from that war. You're, you're in a war whether you know it or not. And if you act like you're not, you're simply going to be defeated because the devil is going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In those that are ignorant, in those that don't participate, they get devoured. So the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not natural, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, imaginations. Those things that you see in your life that are contrary to the word of God is what it's talking about here. It says you need to cast those things down. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So it's talking about negative imaginations. Somebody tells you, you know what, your family, everybody gets cancer in their 50s and in your family, and you're going to get cancer. I mean, no, that's a negative imagination. You begin to see that in your mind. You need to cast that down. I remember a number of years ago, this was many years ago. This is probably 30 years ago. I was making a hospital call. Uh, there was a, a man who had cancer. The doctors did not give him much hope. And, and uh, I, I went up to pray for him. And I anointed him with oil according to James chapter 5. And, and I prayed for him. And, and he says, Pastor, I'm so glad you're coming. I want you to pray for me. And, and I laid hands on him and anointed him with oil. I prayed for him. And then he said, now, Pastor, when you do my funeral next week, he says, I want you to sing this song and this song, and I want you to talk from Psalms 23. Would you do that at my funeral? Now, here's what he, he was not imagining. He was not seeing on the inside himself get healed. You've got to see it on the inside first. That's your spiritual womb. That's where conception takes place. That's where your future is going to be framed. It's on the inside. You can do all the right things on the outside, but if in your mind, in your imagination, in your thinking, you're not believing God, you're believing the report of the world. I mean, Isaiah said, whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? And literally, that is the chapter, that's Isaiah 53, that talks about everything that Jesus did for us. And we're supposed to believe that report. And we've got to get that report down on the inside of us, into our heart, into that good ground. And we do it by meditating on the Word of God. You begin to imagine, I'm, I'm, I'm laying hands on the sick, I'm seeing them recover or I'm having hands laid on me, and I recover, because that's what God says. We've got to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And you replace that with the thoughts about who Christ says you are, who God says you are, what God says that you have, and what God says that you can do. Now, if you've been watching today and you've been assessing your spiritual condition, if you would say this, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm just not right with God. I don't know God. Or you say, I'm away from the Lord and I need to come home to God. 
I want to ask you to bow your head and pray a prayer with me and commit your life to Jesus. All right? Would you do that? Would you, would you make these words your own? Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. And I thank you for forgiving me, that my past is gone, that I'm your child, a part of your kingdom today and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that from your heart, God heard that prayer. And you are forgiven and right with God on your way to heaven. And I want to help you as you keep on growing spiritually. And I wrote a book that will help you. It's just full of bullet points to keep you help growing spiritually. Uh, you can download the book absolutely free. All the information is right there on your screen. If you need a hard copy, let us know. We'll send it to you absolutely free of charge. We want to have a part in your continuing to grow as a Christian and serving God and being a blessing with your life. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you're making one of the best decisions of your life. And we're so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you or download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It is absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. We believe that when you confess God's word over your life daily and begin to meditate on it, it will change your life. Check out the confession section on the homepage of the Walking by Faith app. You can also listen to all past sermons, submit a prayer request, and check out the weekly devotional and so much more. Look for it in your favorite app store today. Walking by Faith is reaching the world with the truth of God's word on and off the air. If this ministry is blessing you and feeding you spiritually, please consider becoming a partner with us by going to walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. Next week, we'll be looking at the power of our tongue. We'll see you next time, and until then, have a great week.